fellow ag nerd. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week I get to sit down with the farmers, founders, innovators, and investors shaping the future of the ag industry. Now, a lot of the credit for the productivity gains of many of our staple crops, I'm thinking corn, wheat, soybeans, etc., has been due to advancements in genetics, including in some of those cases, GMOs. But have we already maximized these gains that we can make in ag productivity due to genetics? Well, absolutely not, says our guest on today's show. In fact, she says there's still a great deal of potential that can be unlocked in crops like corn and soybeans using modern technology. And no, she doesn't mean more GMOs. We have on the show Ponzi Trevis-Favet, who is the CEO of Inari the seed design company that uses predictive design and advanced multiplex gene editing to unlock the full potential of seed to build a more sustainable future for the food system. Now, we spend a lot of our episode today kind of fleshing out exactly what that sentence means in terms of what is this predictive design and advanced multiplex gene editing, and what does it mean to build a more sustainable future for the food system? So that's what most of our conversation really is about. Now, Ponzi joined Inari in 2018 when they were just over a year old. I think she said about a year and a half. And since that time, they've grown from a 35-person company to a 190-person company. Before Inari, she held a number of leadership roles at Syngenta, most recently as president of Syngenta Seeds North America. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the potential for gene editing for the future of our most widely grown crops the approach Inari is taking specifically to commercialize their technology, whether or not consumers are accepting this more than they did with GMOs, and what impact this could have on both farmer profitability and overall sustainability. This interview with Ponzi was coordinated by Amy Wu, who is the author of the new book, From Farms to Incubators, Women Innovators Revolutionizing How Our Food is Grown. Ponzi is one of several women innovators featured in the book, and I highly recommend you pick it up. I've got my copy right here. You're going to recognize other former guests from this podcast in the book, like Pam Marone, Fatima Kaplan, Sarah Nolette, Mariana Vasconcelos, Christine Sue, and several others. I told Amy when I first read it how much I enjoyed the book and that I would like to interview some of the women she featured. And she said she had also considered doing a podcast herself. So we just decided it'd be fun to do some joint interviews. And you heard the first one of those recently in episode 263 with Joanne Zhang. Today is our second. We're planning at least one more before the end of the year. So here's today's featured conversation, co-hosted by Amy and myself with Ponzi Trevis-Favet of Inari, who starts our conversation off with an overview of what the company's all about. Our passion and our focus at Inari continues to be about the seed design. And um, this is the piece that we deal with genetics. So we still deal with biology and the time that we're talking about. I try to actually rush as much as I can. We all try to, to rush as much as we can in order to make sure that the seed express themselves in the best way that could take less land, less water, and less fertilizer. But still, it's the genetics. So we still focus on that. Um, normally, 
the development of the seeds would take between 10 to 15 years. So what we are trying to do here at Inari is to cut it down by two thirds. So since we last spoke, then I would say that uh, we, we continue to focus on that uh, piece around cutting the time down by, by two thirds of that. So the piece that we went on more, if I could go back a little bit and recap on what we meant by seed design at Inari. Right? So we meant that we essentially used the combination of two technologies, the software and the hardware. The software for, for us, some people call it machine learning, some people call it artificial intelligence, we call it predictive design. To truly understand the genome of the seeds, um, then the hardware for us is multiplex gene editing. So after we know where we need to make the expression more, then we make the expression of the seed so that it has full potential. So the first part on the software is the one that, Amy, we, we started to focus a lot more. So over the past um, couple of months since we last met, we put more emphasis, more people, more data scientists in the organization to essentially really, really understand the full potential of the seeds in there at the genome level, at the gene level, down to at the sequence, even at the protein level. I see. Where is Inari in, in terms of getting the seeds in the hands of growers now? So um, our product of the first version, we will be starting to provide it to our customers um, end of this year, but the full version of that will come in a couple of years time. Our customers are actually seed companies. So the independent seed companies will bring our parent seeds and turn into normal seeds and then go directly to the farmers. And we highly value the independent seed companies. Um, these are the people who really, really know the farming condition, work closely with farmers. They are in the local areas and understand the, the nature of each individual environment really well. So there's been this narrative out there that we've pushed the genetics as far as they can go, like all the yield improvements up to this point have been on genetics and and maybe we've pushed them as far as we can go. And now we need to kind of find yield improvements elsewhere. What keeps you optimistic, though, that that's not true, that this is just the next stage in improving uh, our crops through genetics? Yeah, uh, that's a excellent way of, of thinking about it. Uh, we view it differently. We actually view it as we haven't actually pushed the potential of the genetics that much at all over the past 30 years. And if we look at the fact over the past 30 years, the yield increase has been less than 1% a year, despite $2 billion a year investing in the breeding. So no, it's it hasn't been the pace whereby the requirement of the growers, the requirement of the environmental needs are met. Um, in fact, we're quite far behind in terms of what the full potential of the seeds could be. So Ponzi, I'm just going to jump in here. I recently read an article in Seed World magazine where I believe you noted that biology is a factor that's holding the seed industry back from achieving greatness or something like that. So I was curious if you could elaborate a bit on that. Um, I'm just going to read the quote, at least where it's published. It says, biology gives us a lot of positive things, but I'm not patient enough for it. 
I would love to actually bring innovation into the hands of farmers. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes, certainly, certainly. So biology is the best thing that we could think of in terms of solving the genetics challenge um, and get full potential of the seeds, right? So the reality is when we talk about seeds, right, these little unsung hero, even like the corn seeds, the complexity of the genome is more than you and I, more than human. So that's the whole reason why it needs a lot more thinking around predictive design, a lot more technologies like multiplex editing to really work on multiple genes at the same time. So the piece around why I say that it's the best thing if we could understand biology on everything. But at the same time, the reason why I said that I, I still have limited patience around it is in order to develop the seeds, which come back to your first question, to develop the genetics, you have to express it and you have to grow the seeds in the lab, then you grow it in a greenhouse, then you go into the field. So taking three to four months, every turn that we have to go in, that's the part that I wish that there's a shortcut that we don't have to grow the seeds to take the performance. Right? So that's the piece. You've mentioned a couple of times about, you know, the potential of seed and trying to realize the full potential of seed. How do you determine what the potential of seed is? And I imagine for you all, you want to strategically target products where we're not realizing anywhere close to its potential. There's a lot of potential there for you to try to capture. How do you look at that? When If I say this seed has potential, what am I talking about that's giving me such certainty that a seed has more potential than it's displaying? The potential for us, um, we're going back to, again, the definition of the food system. So first potential is um, the productivity, in other words, yield. Second one is the environment. So the potential to take less resources in terms of water and the um, potential in terms of taking less chemical nitrogen fertilizer. So we pretty much, when we say potential uh, for Inari, we focus on those things. Right. yield water and chemical fertilizer reduction. So that's essentially what we're focusing on. And then your question is, how do you know that there's more potential? And we would say that we know because we haven't seen it over the past 30 years, right? So going back to that, and uh, we know that over the past 30 years, you look at it, what kind of technologies that we have been using, right? One, we use traditional breeding, which takes time, seven to 10 years, and a lot of things you have to go test out in the field. Second option is GM, right? So GM is dealing with foreign gene, only one gene at a time. So we know that plants are complex. We know seed, that seed is very complex. So how do you get the full potential out more than just touching just one gene? So that's essentially, that's what we believe. And um, it has been it has been a lot of studies that you have to deal with um, several genes at the same time to actually really unlock that full potential of the seeds. And then, so is that where the multiplex gene editing comes in? And, and maybe if you could give us like a 101 description of what multiplex gene editing is versus what we may be more familiar with, like genetically modified seeds. Um, certainly, certainly, Tim. So two parts of the question. Your your last part of the question is genetically modify seeds. So, or in other words, some people would just call it GMO seeds. So what we are doing at Inari is gene editing. So we do not touch the insertion of the foreign gene. 
So foreign gene could be, for example, like um, the BT gene of bacteria, which is the GM right now. So you insert the bacteria gene in, in order to essentially be tolerant to the insects or tolerant to certain herbicide. So because it's foreign gene, in the case of GMO, you can touch only one gene at a time. Right? And so you have to go through a lot of pieces in order to make sure that it doesn't have the impact to the environment. So what we're doing here is we touch the only the native genes or natural genes. So for example, when we try to do the gene editing of corn, we touch only corn genes. When we do soybean, we touch only soybean genes. So we don't insert any foreign gene in. So that's first part, the difference between gene editing and GMO. So now taking the gene editing to the next level, because of this beauty of being able to understand the complexity of the genome and uh, being able to touch the natural genes only, uh, we believe that we need to touch several genes at the same time, um, not just one, in order to touch the potential of the yield of the water reduction, of the fertilizer reduction. So I'll give you an example of when we said water reduction, we need to touch the mechanism of the root, how the root takes the water. We need to touch the mechanism of the stem of the corn, how would stem react to the amount of water, to react to the, to the temperature, the heat, and so on. And all of these are complex. It's not going to be done with just only one gene. And that's essentially when we say that it's multiplex gene editing, that's the piece of what we meant, multiple genes. And at the same time, the tool that we use is not only about inserting or knocking out the gene, it's actually about how do we express the potential of the gene, the gene expression, how do we do it the best? And for something like this, for somebody who is not a geneticist and, and doesn't understand the complexities of the science Help me understand, how do various companies all doing gene editing to try to improve our crops differentiate themselves? And, and I'm not asking you to speak for anyone else, but Inari, I guess. But, you know, how does Inari differentiate yourself from other companies that are also trying to do gene editing? Is it in the problems that you try to tackle? Is it in the proprietary process with the computational biology? How is it that um, a company can be different from another one? Yeah, I would call out um, three things. Uh, one is the part of the predictive design is the one that um, we believe that the knowledge is is the most differentiating part that knowing where we need to express the genes more. Right. So the type of the people that we have when it comes to the predictive design, we focus a lot on data scientists. Some of them are not coming from agriculture. Some of them are coming from um, pharmaceutical industry, right? So some of them are coming just being the physicist or some of them come from the academic area. So that's the piece that we invest a lot and we focus a lot on those whole machine learning piece. Then when it comes to the tools of the hardware, the tools that we are working on, um, coming back again, that we're not just doing the gene editing, we do the multiplex gene editing, meaning we solve several genes at the same time. And the tool that we are doing it, we actually use the tool that can increase or decrease the level of the gene expression. So the tools of the multiplex one. And then the outcome of that, because of these two things, we're able to focus on the most problematic one in terms of the environmental challenge, which is essentially land, water, and fertilizer. That's an outcome. So the real differentiation is actually these two pieces. 
is a piece of differentiation also the type of crops that you focus on? Because from my memory, you focus on like commodity crops like soybeans and corn and so forth. So what's the bigger picture of Inari? Like, are we talking about like blueberries, pomegranates? Yeah, the first wave um, crops for us are corn, soy, and wheat. So if you ask like, no, why, why, why do you go with the commodity crops? And we said that, yes, we intend to solve the biggest problem the biggest challenge of that. So arguably you would say that, no, that's not a differentiation in terms of the crop focus, but the focus on solving the most challenging problems in the most challenging crops is actually our focus. We're not a niche company per se. And your partnership with the seed company, what do you provide them? And then what do they do? Do you provide like a parent seed and then they replicate it and produce as much as they need? And then obviously market, sell and distribute it. You know, what's your responsibility versus theirs? Yes. Um, so the independent seed companies um, certainly uh, would, would take the the parent seeds, and then um, they will turn it, certain whether it be bulk up, um, turn it into um, the regular seeds, and then um, do the marketing and sales with the farmers. The knowledge about uh, what the farmers need, um, the knowledge about how to fit into certain environment of the farmer fields, those are extremely highly valuable. Um, so we learned that from the independent seed company to feed that back for us in order to discover the genes whereby that we need to focus on what are the needs of the farmers. So we, we hear it uh, from the independent seed company and then we go back to our way of developing the product. So they also help us to taste the products in the environment uh, where the farmers are. So that helps us as well that how do we tweak it even further to make sure that it fits into the right environment. So we don't look at them as customers. We look at them as the real partner. Interesting. Well, and this is a total sidebar, but you know, something I've been thinking a lot of is with companies like yours and and other digital artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call them, computational biology, et cetera. Um, it creates a more even playing field in an industry that has been very much consolidated in recent decades, you know, the seed industry. So it sounds like if there's no exclusivity, you definitely can create a more open playing field for various players in the market to compete. That's right, Tim, that it is true. And I, I see it. It's not just only in seeds, but in almost all the parts of the value chain of agriculture and the ag tech. It's almost true that these whole piece around the AI machine learning, predictive design, whatever you call it, the computational piece, is actually the component to almost every single company. It comes into the piece whereby the knowledge and the data and the speed actually help get the, the new innovators to come into play in a lot faster, a lot cheaper. And this is actually great for the industry. An exciting thing I also read about Inari recently was that you have entered the World Economic Forum's Global Innovators Community. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how that work directly connects with Inari itself. Um, so, so we are grateful that we um, have been invited to join this Global Innovators Community there. We were previously the technology pioneer back two years ago. We're grateful about these two things because... We believe that um, having the voice 
of the innovators, having the voice of the technology providers, having the voice of looking at things differently um, is really, really important in order to actually solve the, the food system challenge. And the World Economic Forum is uh, one of the best organizations in coming together between private and public partnership together to solve the greatest challenge of, of all of us. And it's important to Inari that the purpose of us is um, essentially how do we get diversity out of the seeds to address the major positive outcome. And we would do it all day long from our side, from the seeds perspective, um, which is the beginning of the value chain. But what we believe is this problem of the food system is bigger than Inari. Right. So it needs everyone's um, part to come into play from the seeds down to the farming, down to harvesting, down to the food companies, down to the food waste management company. How do you actually solve all of those? So for us, being part of the World Economic Forum to connect with other players, as well as linking from the private with public sectors as well to, to essentially work together and exchange the knowledge around how do we solve this really, really critical challenge of the food system. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? The problems with the food system as you see them, what comes top of mind in terms of where Inari might fit into solving some of the most important problems that you see with the food system? Yeah. So, so uh, Tim, I, I would define the definition of food system as a combination of three things. One, we need to make sure that it serves the, the, the needs in terms of the productivity to serve, everybody said this, feeding the world. Right. So we know that, yes, we do have the challenge in increasing the productivity, which um, we want to address on that. The second piece of the food system is how do we do that in a way that uh, we're still protecting our environment? And then the third one, how do we do that um, to essentially respect the profitability of the farmers and increase the profitability on farm in order to improve the community where the farmers live, which uh, majority of them are in the rural community. And that's how we define the combination of these three things as food system. So the role that we're playing is we believe that the genetic has much more potential to increase the yield there. Uh, we believe that the genetic potential has the ability to take less water, take less chemical nitrogen fertilizer. And then um, when we try to use this kind of technology of the software and the hardware to cut down the time of the development, to bring down the cost, it would have an impact on the profitability on farm for the farmers and the community where, where the farmers are living in. So that's essentially how we see our role, that it's not just one, but all three elements together to have the sustainability of the food system. Um, I have a, a few more questions here, but they're related a lot through the filter of gender, I think, at this point. So I, despite your busy schedule, I see that you're also involved with, for example, uh, being on the advisory group for Women in Food Agriculture Forum. Why? You're already a really busy person. <laughs> uh, why? Um, I would do it any day that um, the piece goes back to to your question and this um, whole challenge of what we're trying to do, the agriculture. And if you rewind back to perhaps um, a decade or two decades ago, 
you're pretty much more sort of like the only person in in the team, right? As a as a woman, and um, in fact, being able to draw in the talents, uh, the young generation to come in, it has been hard. It has been hard, and we all grew up. I don't know whether you faced a situation whereby when you grew up, people would love that. Why don't you go to the medical area? Why don't you become an an engineer? Uh, why are you going into agriculture, right? And for me, is something that um, I owe to the industry that I would do it any day, any day to actually get more people to come in, whether women or not. But we need more people to come in. And for me, yes, I'm passionate about how do we actually get more women to come in? How do we get the next generation to come into this super fascinated industry? It is really fascinating industry. I did not actually come from the agriculture at the very beginning of my career, and it's uh, coming from the outsider. Even though I've been here for two decades now for this industry, the first time that you put your foot in one side, it was like, "Hmm, is it going to be interesting?" But as soon as you put one foot there, you realize that it's just so attractive. So fascinating, and then you put in your whole body there, and then the more that you touch, the more that you learn, and I just want to give that experience to the rest of people. That there's so many opportunities. It's not only about the innovation from the intellectual part, but it's about the heart, the heart that you you could put in because it's just so associating with everything that you do every day. I like that answer. Um, my final question on the similar topic area of gender as filter is women on boards. I'd like your thoughts and perspective on why aren't there more women sitting on the boards of agri-food tech companies, and what do you think is going to change that? We started to see some, but this is the piece that I. I hope that a couple of years from now the picture will change. I hope that we will see a lot more women on the board of the ag tech. Why we haven't seen it that much could be because, in general, that agriculture you don't see women that much yet. Um, it just started to to come in um, over the past. Uh, five to six years. It, it may be the time lag here, but with the generation of over the past five to six years, you see a lot more. And then I, I hope that we will see it a lot more. Like for us at Inari, we're grateful that we look beyond just only the act background. So recently, are grateful to have um, Sophie Vanderbroek. Um, she's actually coming from the perspective of artificial intelligence knowledge. Um, so she's sitting on our board now. I think you're going to see a lot more of those because act would not be just the typical act. You would see that the role of this predictive design, AI, machine learning will come into play more, and there are a lot of women in that industry too. You mentioned diversity a couple of times. I was hoping maybe you could expand on that a little bit. How does Anari bring diversity into the mix, and and why is that important? Diversity for us on the seat first, on the technical first. When we talk about the um, diversity, what what we meant there is how do we create the genetic diversity? How do we actually bring the genetic diversity back? Um, so that's essentially going back to the point whereby we use the predictive design to understand that how do we actually bring back certain genes that got lost in the process of domestication. From hundreds of years ago, 
right? So these particular genes, in fact, um, it was there. It, it helped us to consume the water a lot more, but it got lost because of those process of domestication. When we say that, then how do we bring it back? We're not going to bring back just one or two. We actually have to express them a lot more and several genes at the same time. And that's the piece of the hardware of the multiplex gene editing. And that's the notion of us that how do we bring back not just only the piece that we have seen it over the past 20 years only, bring back those good genes that got taken out unintentionally when the whole process of the breeding happened. That's what we meant by diversity in terms of the genetic diversity. And um, the other piece that um, talking about the way that we work here because of, of this thinking, what we believe is the diversity of thought. That's how we run it. And out of our 190 people here, we intentionally try to get the people from several industries. So not only from the app background, but pharmaceutical background, consulting background. Um, some are actually chemical background to solve the biology problem. Right. So that's essentially that what we believe is we're going to need to actually have different kind of thinking to solve the problems. We're not going to solve this problem with the same old way. How do we look at things differently? That is great to hear because I always get uh, responses from listeners that say, you know, I found your show because I'm really interested in agriculture, but I have no background. And it seems like everybody in the industry like grew up in the industry. And so I love to be able to share things like that, where it's like, look, we need expertise outside of, of agriculture to come into this field. So I, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, actually, in fact, I'll share even more that quite a, a number of people here actually study the cancer research. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing that you look at things differently and then come into here because the notion of them is if I could actually apply the thinking of editing in the human, the CRISPR piece, if I could apply in plant, I'm not going to impact only the patients, which I believe that it may impact 10,000 people, 20,000 people. But if you get this right, it touches everyone who consume the food and the animals that consume the feed. It's actually much um, larger impact. So when I listen to that, it's quite interesting the way that um, they think about it. It's very interesting perspective. With the genetic engineering it seems like consumers are more receptive to gene editing than they were to GMO. Is that true? And do we still have a long way to go in terms of consumer acceptance of gene editing? Yeah, because of the benefits. Um, so we, we have to come back to what's really the benefit of the technologies. So when we go into the benefits of gene editing, because it allows us to touch the native um, genes and you can work on several genes so you can solve the problem like the water and the environment. So it is true that we did do the research there and it's quite interesting around how do you get consumer to wear a public hat, right? So one person like you and I, sometimes we are consumer, but we are also a public. So if you could get consumer to wear the public hat and the public hat, we all have responsibility. How do we take care of the environment? And because of this technology has huge potential to address the challenge of the climate change, the environment. So yes, uh, we, see, we see a lot more positive thinking towards the technology. You mentioned climate change there, and maybe if you can connect the dots with the, the more volatility in the climate due to climate change, 
it would seem to me that being able to speed up our processes of adaptive seeds is really, really important. So maybe could you connect that dot between uh, what you're doing at Inari in terms of process and the need for more resilient genetics uh, due to climate change? Yes, that climate change um, becomes real now, right? So we actually haven't seen any single year that we would say that it's a, it's a normal year to grow the crop, right? Either the water is too much, the water is too little, or actually the wind is too strong on this year. So the question becomes around for us when we said that we focus on the first one, the productivity. It's not only the productivity in general. Um, it will be the productivity around in particular location in the resilience there and the water um, the piece around how do we actually get the water reduction and when the water is normal, how do we actually increase the productivity there? So that's essentially, we look at it as it's not only about the the reduction in resources, but also the climate change resilient there. Um, the word that you use resilience is extremely important. And in fact, this is the piece whereby independent seed companies help us a lot that the value of the farmers it's not only about getting the maximum yield, right? But the value is also how do they predict the productivity? How do I actually can have the consistent outcome as well? Because the profitability of farmers, sometimes they, they sell the products, the grain in advance. So they need to know what would be the outcome of that. So it's really important to be able to predict the outcome there. So when it comes into play in terms of our predictive design, it helps predict as well that in this kind of environment with this product, what do you expect in terms of the potential? If you look out a decade or two and Inari's been you know, wildly successful, how does the future of agriculture look different because of uh, solutions like this? The future of agriculture, then I'll go back to three things that I was talking about, that those three things can coexist. There shouldn't be a debate whether we should feed the world or should we take care of the planet or should we make sure that the um, rural community can be having the profitability within the community there. Um, there shouldn't be a debate at all. And all these three things can coexist if we are successful. Farmers will have better profitability. We take much less resources to grow our crops. And then feeding the world is not a question. Hmm, what a thought-provoking way to end the episode. Thank you so much to Ponzi Travis Favette for being on the show. And thank you to Amy Wu for making this happen. You can learn more about Inari's work at Inari.com. That's I-N-A-R-I. And make sure you go buy your copy of Amy's book, From Farms to Incubators. Thanks again to all of you who keep sharing this content with friends on social media and by leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We had one recently here from M. Gomes of Rancho Marietta. The title says, Required Listening to Understand Where the Ag Tech Industry is Headed. Tim is an excellent and insightful host that has assembled a podcast that is required listening for anyone interested in understanding where ag tech is headed. Very thought leading guests and always brings an insightful perspective for where our industry is going. Thank you so much to M. Gomes of Rancho Murrieta. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts and haven't yet, please just take a minute to leave us a rating and review to let others know the show is worth listening to. Hey, thank you so much for your time and your attention. I never take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. Bye.